0: Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro, and today is a great day to go 1-0. I'm going to keep it short and sweet today as not a lot's going on in the NBA or NHL, no major trade news to report, but there are a couple of things around baseball and the NFL preseason that I'd like to talk about. First, though, I want to mention, if you are as big a fan of, sp- of sports documentaries as I am, I have two for you to check out. The first you may have heard about, I'm a little bit late to the party on this, but I'm really enjoying Quarterback on Netflix, which focuses in in its first season on Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota from last year's NFL season. And I am just so fascinated with that kind of hyper-focus on the preparation, performance, and mental mindset of athletes as they go about their business and i think that's what draws me to sports docs and and quarterback is a great one one of the things i loved on the last dance was that kind of player on players on players kind of interview thing like you heard you heard from larry bird and charles barkley and reggie miller about what they thought when they were going up against the Bulls and Michael Jordan and that kind of hindsight, un unbiased, unemotional look at what they were thinking at that time in their careers. There's not, there's not, that doesn't exist in quarterback because it just solely focuses on those three players. But I just, I am fascinated by sports doc. And the other one you may not have heard about because it used to be on um, Netflix before they shelved it for three years. Now, now the fourth season of QB1, um is on Tubi and as I said it was shelved for three years so it focuses on the high school senior seasons of now NFL quarterbacks Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson as well as Kentucky Wildcats quarterback Deuce Hogan and it's interesting to to go all the way back to their senior seasons and as I said now that two of those three are in the NFL and kind of kind of heard what they had to say about going to the NFL. Now that we know that they are, but even though it focused on these two on these two guys that are now pro quarterbacks and one that's still in college, I found myself most drawn to Deuce Hogan um, and his leadership on the field. I would love to get him on the podcast in the future, to talk about the way that he leads a team as as a quarterback, and that's what actually what I found myself most drawn to. So if you are as as big a fan. Of sports docs as I am, check out Quarterback on Netflix and the fourth season of QB1 on Tubi. You will not be disappointed. The first thing I want to talk about is something that gets me really fired up. If you follow us on on Twitter, you've seen the amount of articles that I've retweeted, or sorry, on Twitter or X. You've seen the amount of of um, articles that I've reposted, the amount of things I've had to say about the situation. But, about a week ago, Baltimore Orioles announcer, Kevin Brown, was suspended by the team after remarks he made on air about about the team's previous poor performance at Tropicana Field when playing on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays. The team did not like his comments and suspended him indefinitely. The problem I have here is. These were not comments that Kevin made offhand. These were not comments that Kevin made under on, on, of his own volition. These were comments that he read off a graphic that was displayed on screen that was meant to point out how mu- how improved the Baltimore Orioles are this year over years past. As the as he was pointing out that if the if the Orioles had won that game that day, which they did, they would have equaled their win total at Tropicana Field from the previous three years. And or the Orioles front office saw that as slight. They saw it as making them the, the team look cheap. But again, my problem is that production meetings are held and by several departments before a game goes to air. As somebody who's been in production meetings before at many different levels, everything that you see and hear on a telecast for the most part is thought out and agreed on ahead of time, and that includes the graphics department. So that graphic that was put up about about the Orioles' previous record was agreed on by someone who had final say of, yeah, let's make that graphic, that's a good graphic, and Kevin was just doing his job. Kevin, there was a graphic on screen, it was Kevin's job to read it, and he did. And again, it was to point out how much better the Orioles are this year as opposed to previous years. And it's, it's not a secret, if you follow baseball... You'll know that before the Orioles caught fire in the second half of last season, they were not a good team. They barely missed the playoffs last year, but that was because, again, they were were the best team. I believe they had the first or second best record in the entire league for the second half last season. And before that, everyone knew they weren't good. I think the I think the season before b- before last, they lost a hundred games, and so it wasn't a secret that the previous three years that they 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 had poor records against several teams, not just the Rays. But considering that the Rays have been consistently good since 2020 when they made the World Series, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone. So the fact that so 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 Kevin Brown was do was doing his job by by reading a graphic had to have been pre-approved by someone and the organization believing that that was somehow slanderous and not a statement of fact was completely wrong and for about a week it it, it has taken it has taken focus away from the great performance that the Orioles team is is putting up on the field and instead everyone's talking about Kevin Brown uh, immediately after he was indefinitely suspended twitter slash x exploded saying the orioles should be ashamed kevin brown should resign because again it it wasn't a free speech issue it was kevin reading a graphic that that his graphics team provided him and so no one should have been suspended for that and if by some unfathomable way you you felt that somebody needed to be suspended why not suspend the person that either made that graphic or the person that approved that graphic to be made it's not the on-air person's fault that a graphic went up and he read it that's what he's supposed to do but again that graphic was not slanderous it was it was it was a statement of fact but of course we live in a world today where cold hard facts are disregarded if it's not what someone else agrees with so who knows? I have much more to say about this. I've taken a week already to kind of process some thoughts. I still have a lot more. I'm going to post a, a, a blog about it later in the week. But then, I think the Orioles kind of knew they screwed up pretty quick. I think, I think social media took care of that for them. And they immediately said that Kevin would be reinstated for, for this past Friday night's game against Seattle. And the immediate reaction... Several on-air announcers came to Kevin Brown's defense, including the White Sox announcer and the, the Mets announcer, took time out of, the, out of the Mets broadcast to say they put the camera on him in the booth and to go on a full diatribe about Kevin Brown and said he's one of the best people in this game. He's, he's, he's one of the most passionate, and if the Orioles don't want him, there are 29 other teams who do. And the White Sox announcer during a, during a telecast for his team made a comment about the White Sox record against the Orioles and then went on to say off the cuff, I hope I don't get suspended for that. So, so announcers from around the league and baseball writers came to Kevin Brown's defense. Then it was announced that he would, as I said, return to the booth on Friday against the Mariners, to which social media said that Kevin Brown should get on air for the team and then resign on air live because he would have many many offers waiting for him. Buster Olney made a point to say that he he, he didn't so much say that Kevin Brown should resign on air but he did say that Kevin Brown has a contra- has a contract negotiation coming up and should should negotiate a clause that prevents him from from such kind of lame suspensions in the future, and that Kevin Brown holds all the cards right now. And I believe that was the consensus from around the league after that happened. And then Kevin Brown, being the picture of class in this whole situation that he is, released a statement saying there's no one else I would rather broadcast for than Baltimore. Um I've talked to the GM, I've talked to the owner, it's been ironed out, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I watched that fr- the opening of that Friday night telecast, and he was he was as classy as could be. No, no saltiness in his voice, no hint that anything had happened. But I think, you know, Kevin Brown said the right thing. He's a better man than I would be in that situation. I'll tell you that right now. To even to even put out a statement saying that, man, I love I I I love announcing for this organization. But I think. I would be surprised if he remained with them after this year. He's still employed by them. He wanted to get back in the booth, so he said what you would say in that situation. But but I think it's clear that the Orioles' mishandling of the situation it's time for that Kevin Brown could find a better situation anywhere else. And as it was said many times on social media, it's a shame that this happened because because the Orioles are having a great season on the field, and this completely overshadowed what they're doing. And it's a really special story what they're doing, being the being the team with the best record in the American League. And this just overshadowed it for a week. And it's a shame, and I think Kevin Brown deserves better. The Orioles should be ashamed of themselves. I will have more on this at a later date. The next thing I want to talk about, we're going to stay in baseball for a minute, is I mentioned the White Sox a little bit ago. Technically I mentioned their announcer. Now I want to talk about the team. The team is having a rough time. Um and I'm not just talking about on the field although it makes sense when you hear what several stories have come out about the Chicago White Sox in in the past few days about how bad that culture is and at, look, the team is 47 and 72. They're they're in fourth place in the central uh only ahead of the Kansas City Royals, who, who in my opinion, are playing a lot better than the White Sox, despite a worse record. I think that's because they got off to a rough start. but the But the Royals are playing a lot better right now than the White Sox. And this is a White Sox team that just two years ago was, you know, talked about as maybe the World Series favorite in the American League. And now they're 47 and 72. And then all these reports coming out. So, Obviously the thing that everybody knows is that is that after after a slide into second base from from Cleveland Guardians all-star Jose Ramirez, he believed that Tim Anderson kind of was a little too rough with his tag and they got into an on-field scuffle and Jose Ramirez kind of knocked Tim Anderson to the ground and and Tim Anderson was not in the lineup the next day Ho- Jose Ramirez was and that kind of was the was the rock that started the whole mess rolling down the down the hill and you know it was one of these things where we started hearing stuff about about the white Sox as a whole after this and jose ramirez when commenting on the incident said that he didn't believe tim anderson played the game the right way and he didn't respect what he did and you know all sort of stuff so it wasn't good and it just got worse from there during the trade deadline uh reliever Kenyon Middleton was traded to the Yankees, and upon his trade... Well, first of all, the White Sox traded several players, and I I have things to say about some of the players that they traded, and, and it kind of leads more to the problem. Um, Kenyon Middleton was traded to the Yankees, upon which he said he was excited to be part of that culture, he was excited to be a part of that um, organization, and, and and when they asked him kind of what he meant by that, he stated that he felt that this was his only year in chicago and he felt that there there was no discipline among the team there was no structure that 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 if players missed meetings there there, there was no repercussions it was just like okay you missed a meeting whatever if players were late to practice it was kind of whatever it was this laissez faire attitude around the entire organization from top to bottom and I think I heard something this week that that it the whole mess could have started a few years ago when when Jerry Rein, the the owner of the White Sox Jerry Reinsdorf most most known for building that right there the 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 Bulls dynasty he also owns the White Sox that when he that when he hired his friend Tony La Russa, to manage the team uh, a couple of years ago that that was seen as kind of the wrong move and it started kind of this mess of culture but but they moved on from Tony La Russa and and so it's kind of hard to put all the blame there but but Kenya Middleton was talking about like there was no discipline if you if you didn't show up for workouts it was whatever this and this whole thing and veteran pitcher Lance Lynn who had also been traded to the Dodgers around that same time at the deadline who had played several years in Chicago backed Middleton up and said and said look he I I was there a lot longer than him and he's not wrong like there there was no structure there was no like a authoritative system there was no discipline so so it's an all-star pitcher a veteran pitcher backing up this younger player saying he's not wrong about about this. And current White Sox player Andrew Benintendi kind of refuted the statements by both Lynn and Middleton. But what what but what's what's Benintendi gonna say? He's a current player. What's he gonna say? Oh yeah, it sucks here. He's a current player. He's on the payroll. He's getting paid by Chicago. Of course he's gonna back up the team. I'd I'd be interested to to hear what he had to say what he has to say once he leaves. Whenever Benintendi goes to his next organization, that would be one of the first questions I'd ask him. You made comments when you were with Chicago. Do you do you walk those back at all? Because there's there's been a ton of evidence that what Middleton is saying is true, and Lance Lynn himself, as I said, backed him up. Uh, there there was a report um, on Twitter. Kenyon Middleton's mother said that said that his kids were kicked out of White Sox daycare. Uh, because I guess and 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 maybe this was after the trade, so it may not be a thing. Because I'm sure that's for for players and staff and their children only. But the kids wanted to go back and play with the friends that they'd made, and and I guess his mother took them there, and they were they they were asked to leave. I'm sure that's security just doing their job. But with all, with everything else going on, and that's not it. There's a uh, Jake Berger who was. Also one of the players traded he was traded to Miami came out and said and and didn't specifically knock Chicago but how can you take it any other way at this point he said he was traded to the Marlins and he said he's never had more fun playing baseball um now the culture in Miami is is right now is pre, it's going pretty good um in Miami but it's hard to take that any other way than a knock on his previous organization And then those three comments have been confirmed. They were made by players. And then there was another report, and this is just a report that shortly before the All-Star game, Yasmani Grandal was left off the lineup card and said that and was not happy and said that he was gonna leave early, that he was gonna leave the team for the all-star break. And and was was very unhappy at being left out of the lineup that day. And apparently in the locker room or in the trainer's room, Tim Anderson was in the was in one of the tubs, either the cooling tub or the or the or the hot tub, and heard Grendahl say this and said, Fine, if you're gonna act like that, get out of here. To which Grendal reportedly walked over to Tim Anderson and slapped him in the face. Now this this story's not been confirmed, but I have a hard time not believing it, given everything else. Now Grendahl was later later came in as a pinch hitter in that game so he did not follow through with his threat to leave but and 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 I agree with what Tim Anderson said in that moment if in fact he said it where it's like if you don't want to be here if you don't want to be a team player get out but you know considering that Tim Anderson's name has come up in in these reports on the other side as well it is what it is I think I it's hard not to believe every story that comes out of Chicago right now about the White Sox with the struggles they're having in a not great division. So it was for, it was up for grabs, but Chicago never played well. And again, this is just, this is two years removed from, you know, having a really, really good team. And a lot of those players were still there, you know, um, Giolito was just traded and Ronaldo Lopez was just traded, but those guys were there a couple of years ago. So, so a lot of that team is still intact. And that just a couple of years ago was was an AL favorite. So I can imagine there's a lot of frustration. And then you look across town and you see the Cubs playing a lot better, and 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 you're failing in a division that isn't playing very well. The the division leading Twins are just a couple of games above 500. So I imagine. This is a situation where all this frustration is boiling over but this just doesn't look good for the White Sox organization top to bottom. So I just it's 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 a mess on the south side right now. The last thing I want to talk about, the the big kind of kind of attention grabbing thing in in sports right now is the fact that the NFL preseason is underway. And with that, we get a, lot, a look at a lot of the rookies that are out there get, get, getting their first professional action. I, I want to kind of look at the top four quarterbacks that were drafted. And as as all four of them were expected to go in the top ten, three of them did with Will Levis falling just inside the second round. I want to take a look at all four of them and how they fared in their first game. Keep in mind, this is just one game. It's a preseason game. so. It's hard to put too much stock in it. It's the first professional action a- action for a lot of these guys, so you know they're going to be nervous. there's you know there's going to be they're going to be tense so it's hard to hard to put too much stock in it, but I want to break it down anyway uh we're going to first we're going to start with the number one overall pick Bryce Young. he had very limited action and I think the biggest takeaway from his day as he threw just six passes for 21 yards and I think the biggest takeaway or his day was was how bad the Carolina offensive line is. And I think that's one of the reasons why I a lot of people are picking Carolina to be a sleeper wild card pick. And I just I don't I don't see that this year. Uh, because the offensive line is gonna need to protect Bryce Young. He he's already undersized. He's 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 unexperienced in this league. And so he's gonna need he's gonna need those big guys up front to hold him up and they did not do a great job. He took a couple of big hits early against the Jets and completed just four of six passes and it was a very short day. But again, the the big takeaway was that the offensive line needs to be better. Uh so, so the big takeaway for wild card hopeful Carolina, a lot of people have them winning that division over I I personally have the Saints with it with the new look Derek Carr and if you haven't seen Derek Carr in camp he is new look Derek Carr. I have the Saints but some people have the have the Carolina Panthers and a couple of years from now I think that's a good pick when Bryce Young has some more weapons and they have some more time to build but right now it's I I don't think so and to this first preseason game showed me why that offensive line is not ready. He didn't take too many shots down the field. He he kind of kept everything in front of him. Bryce's throws were Pretty conservative but i I wouldn't panic about him because, as I said, the main takeaway is that the offensive line needs work not on Bryce himself. I think Bryce will be fine. I think Bryce has the highest ceiling of these four. I think he's he's really smart, he's really composed, he doesn't get too animated um on the field which which for a rookie like that's a good thing, he doesn't let his emotions get the best out of him he's He's a smart guy. I think the I think Panthers have the right guy. I think he was clearly the best guy in this draft. But when you have a guy like that, like think back to when Burrow was drafted and he got injured and uh, you know, tore up his knee in his first in his first couple of games, all anybody said was that offensive line really really needs to be better and so they immediately went and got better. So it's it's kind of the same thing with Bryce Young. The offensive line's got to be better. Let's see how they address it. Next, let's shift to Anthony Richardson, who of the four, I was the most impressed by. I think Anthony Richardson is set up to have the best rookie season because, as I said, I don't think I don't think the Panthers are ready yet. Anthony Richardson made some really really good throws. He did have one bad pick on the on the opening drive, but what I took away from that pick is that yes. It was a throw that probably shouldn't have been made along the sideline. But it was a quick sidearm throw, similar to the kind that we see from Patrick Mahomes. So he he was trying to get the ball out quick as to not get into too much trouble. And he was trying to find a way to get it to his receiver. So I think with some fine-tuning, decision-making like that could could turn into a weapon, much like we see from Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Don't misquote me there. But I think, I, I I look at that one pick and think, getting it out quickly at a different arm angle is the kind of thing that Patrick Mahomes does, and and it works well for him. So so with a little bit more coaching, I think that could be a weapon for for Anthony Richardson. Um, he he used his legs well. He stayed out of trouble. Uh, in 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 the backfield made it had a couple of rushing attempts he didn't have a touchdown in the game but he did have a 40 yard seam down the sideline that was dropped by alec pierce there there was good coverage from the db and alec pierce was able to only go up with one hand and actually had it in his hand for a while and then I, and then just as he as he went to the ground he wasn't able to hang on and normally from alec pierce he's a guy that i'm really high on I th- I've i said on multiple occasions that I think him and Michael Pittman are one of the most underrated wide receiver duos in the NFL I've said about Pierce I've said he makes the hard catches look easy and the impossible ones look catchable so I'm I'm not too worried about that because I think with a little bit more time together Alec Pierce is going to catch those I do think the the coverage from from the Bills corner was really really good only allowing Pierce to get one hand in the air but Anthony Richardson did have a 40-yard ball. It would have been a touchdown dropped and he put it on the money in in the back of the end zone. Um so so his final line was 7 of 12 for 67 yards and an interception, but he did have a he did have that 40-yard ball dropped. And the most important thing to me cuz cuz this is what you have to look at when you're talking about rookies in the NFL the most important thing to me is that I I noticed that there were several starters on Buffalo's defense in the game early. And I didn't feel like Anthony Richardson looked intimidated. In fact, I felt that he looked confident against several of the Bills' starters. And if you're a Colts team coming off a ba- a bad season at the quarterback position... With admittedly a good roster, top to bottom behind Richardson, a lot of people forget that because last season was so bad. With admittedly a good roster behind Anthony Richardson and the likelihood that Jonathan Taylor will play despite the issues with with Jim Irsay and the contract situation, I think I think this Colts team has a lot of upside and. I'm not too concerned with what I saw from Anthony Richardson. I think his arm action and motion on that pick could could be turned into a plus with a little bit more seasoning, so I'm not too worried about that. He did get the start in that game. So as of right now, he's ahead of Gardner Minshew on the depth chart, and I think as of right now is expected to start Week 1. But Minshew did go 6-for-6 six six with 72 yards. So he had a good day in the opener as well. So we'll keep an eye on that quarterback battle. If the Colts feel that Anthony Rich- that Anthony Richardson isn't quite ready, Gardner Minshew will be the guy. I think either way the Colts go go in Week One, they are facing the Jags right away. Either quarterback could get could bring a lot of energy that was missing from that position a year ago. I, I do think it's important for the organization that Anthony Richardson be that guy week one and just kind of let him learn. I felt like he looked very, very good in his first preseason game against a team as good as the Buffalo Bills. Next, I want to go to Will Levis in Tennessee. An up-and-down performance for me. Uh, he made some good throws. He he played much of the game. I think I think he rotated with Malik Willis, and look, Will Levis and Malik Willis are battling for the QB two spot. This is not a, a starting quarterback battle. The starting quarterback going into the season is Ryan Tennehill. So these guys are battling for for who's going to be behind him. And the biggest takeaway for, for Will Levis, he he made some good decisions in the middle of the game, but at the end of the game, he faced a little bit of pressure rolling out of the pocket and he missed a wide open receiver coming across the middle of the field at the end of the game. I believe there was like 19 seconds left, and he missed the receiver going across the middle of the field, close to the end zone. Wide open guy, missed him. And then the very next play, he, th- he threw the ball into traffic, nowhere near his intended target, and it was picked off. So that interception was really bad, especially coming one play after missing a wide open receiver. It was against the Bears, who are expected to be a little... Who are expected to be a little better than a year ago, but that's mostly on Justin Fields' improvement. I think there are too many holes in in that roster still for them to be to for them to make a massive improvement record wise. But they, they they were playing the Bears. It was the preseason. I get it. They were playing the Bears, and they did lose, and they did get shut out. They did get shut out in the second half against Chicago, where 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 Malik Willis and Will Levis played basically the entire game um, between the two of them. And I do think Malik Willis fared better. He was 16 for 25 with 189 yards, one interception, and a rush TD. So I believe, as it stands now, that Will Levis will be QB3 on that roster. But what does it say about the team's confidence in Malik Willis That that they took Will Levis early in the second when just a year ago they had taken Willis to be the quarterback of the future in Tennessee. So who knows what situation there is in Tennessee, how much longer they'll stick with Ryan Tannehill as the starter, how much longer he'll want to play. So it's it, it'd be good to keep an eye on both Levis and Willis moving forward to see who cements kind of that. Because the quarterback, the QB2, will kind of be looked at as the quarterback of the future. So it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that as well. And then last but not least, we'll take a look at the guy who went into action first, and that's C.J. Stroud. Look, he only played two series. He was two for four. He did throw a pick on on a guy. They're, they're playing the the Patriots, and he probably should have seen the the defender there. He, but he didn't, and he, but there was a lot of zip on that ball. the offensive line's not good, he did take a sack um and again, when I post my my predictions for the n f l season this week, I did talk about that I think that the situation that the that the foundation is being built for something really cool in houston uh, i I think D'Amico Ryans is the right coach i think c j Stroud is is a great quarterback of the future and i and i think they have a really nice young wide receiver in Tank Dell who who caught a nice touchdown in that preseason opener but after two series Stroud did give way to incumbent starter Davis Mills who looked a little bit better in my opinion but it's just week 1 they're probably much like Bryce Young they're probably giving easing Stroud into NFL NFL action which I think is a pretty good call so I'm not too worried about that either it is week one I think I think Houston's building something really cool but they are far away from from that being realized they still have a lot of holes on that team that they need to be addressed but I think D'Amico Ryan's a coach um CJ Stroud and Tank Dell as as those battery mates on the offense and then Will Anderson Jr. on defense is a great start, but I don't see this team winning more than one or two games in the regular season and being back at the top of the draft boards next year, which isn't a bad thing because I think they have several draft picks in the next couple of years. So... All in all, I think these four quarterbacks had about as as good openers as you could ask. It's the preseason. This is their first look at the NFL, and the NFL is entirely different. They talk about whether it be basketball or, or whether it be the NBA or the NFL, every player has their welcome-to-the-league moment because it doesn't matter how good competition you faced in college. It doesn't matter what conference you played in. Getting to the NFL... Or the NBA is a different story. So I think it's good for these guys. I think I think ultimately it's good for for each of these four to have faced adversity in their first game, with with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young being hit hard, with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis throwing those interceptions, to to face adversity right away because that they're they're not used to that. Look look, after watching QB one and. Seeing Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, they would—they were the top guys in high school. They were the guys who could do no wrong. I, you know, at at Eastside High School in Gainesville, Florida, one of one, one of Richardson coach, one of Richardson's coaches was talking about we should retire his number two because he's the best player to have ever played at this high school, and and Bryce Young was the top high school quarterback of the year in 2020, and then he goes to Alabama and he and he wins the Heisman Trophy and he wins a national championship and. Anthony Richardson goes to Florida and finds some success there, and he's a top five pick. And Bryce Young is a top is a top pick, and that's great. But you come into the league full of grown men. You know, you look, you you watch QB one, and you see Anthony Richardson, who is who's grown man size at eighteen, and he gets hurt and he leaves the game, and his backup quarterback comes in. He's a freshman, and he looks terrified, and he looks like an eleven year old boy. It's like so. So high school and college, you can still stand out as a man among boys depending on the situation. But in the NFL, it's all men. Like, there's a reason why they have those welcome-to-the-league moments. and So I think it was good for those quarterbacks to face that adversity. And I look forward to seeing all three of these guys, or all four of these guys, kind of take the next step. I expect three of the four of them to be the starter, if not right away. Pretty quickly. I I expect Stroud and Young to take the reins right away. Anthony Richardson, I'm confident he'll be the week one starter, but there is but it depends on what we see in the in, in the next two preseason games. Um, and then Will Levis, he's not auditioning to be the starter. He's auditioning to be the QB, two. So we'll have to wait a bit to see what Levis does, but I look forward to seeing these rookies grow more. That's what training camp is, he, even for veterans. It's about growth. It's about Im- improvement. It's about taking that next step. So so every day is, as as we say on this show, every day is a good day to go 1-0. Just show up to practice, show up to camp, and go 1-0 that day. And just improve. And that's all these rookies can do because it's literally their first pro game. Let's not overstate the fact that we can't overreact to anything we saw. It's their first pro action. And for many of them, not against starters. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson might have faced some Bills defensive starters, but it wasn't for a whole game. It wasn't for very long. So it's going to be a different story week one. And I look forward to seeing what happens. That's all I have for you this week. This has been Empire Sports Talk, my mom's favorite podcast. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. Please subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Stay tuned for a lot of new content coming out this week and weeks in the future, including some really cool content involving the Xbox and some really cool simulations so 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 head on over to Empire Sports Talk on YouTube, X, Instagram, any of the social media platforms. We're there, and I promise you, you'll like what you what what you see in in the coming days. Again, this is Roman Gennaro for Empire Sports Talk. I'll see you next time.